verses, Paul had instructed Timothy that, uh, that people were going to teach things that were not right. He said there are going to be people that's going to depart from the faith. They're going to give heed into all of these wild ideas that men have got, seducing spirits, doctrine of demons. We talked about that. They're going to, uh, they're going to put, uh, they're going to bind things that God has not bound. They're just all kind of things. He said this is going to happen. And I'm telling you beforehand to, to be on the lookout for those things, to make sure that you are instructing the church that, that they don't fall for those things. And the same is still true today. We're no doubt in the latter days, and no doubt there's still all of the same types of things floating around, and people are still, uh, people are still pulled away from the church because of it. I've known so many people in my life uh, that, that were once faithful Christians and, and stood on what the Bible says, and, and man, they have given heed to those other things. They have left the church, and now they uh, are involved in so many other things, and it is a sad, sad thing. Verse 6 is where we'll pick up. Keep in mind those first five verses, what he warned him was coming and, and what his job was to do. Paul says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, reason I reviewed these things is what he's talking about. If you will warn, if you will instruct, if you will tell them everything that's going to come to pass, how they're going to defend it, how they're going to overcome it, he says you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. That word minister is that same word that is translated deacon and, and different places in the Bible. It simply means to be a servant. Paul says if you want to be a good servant of Jesus Christ, you make sure that you are trying to help everybody stay on the straight and narrow. Now, Timothy was a preacher, so no doubt Paul had in mind, Timothy, as a preacher, your job is to uh, you know, declare the whole counsel of God. Acts 20, verse 27, Paul said, I've not shunned to to declare in you the whole counsel of God. Spoke to the Ephesian brethren there. Uh, he expected Timothy to do the same thing. But you see, I, I also believe that through this verse and a host of other passages that every one of you have got the same responsibility. We are all servants of Jesus Christ. We're all ministers of Jesus Christ. A minister simply means a servant. And if you are a Christian, you are a servant. So if you want to be a good servant of Jesus Christ, you are looking out for one another. Looking out, you know, this is a big, congreg big congregation. And, and sometimes people slip through the cracks, don't they? Maybe they begin to miss. Maybe they're buying into some kind of thing. Maybe they're, they're visiting the place they have no business going. And, and, you know, sometimes I don't catch that. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, you know, it's hard. It's hard to keep up with everybody and everything. And, and six elders, it's hard for those six elders to keep up with everybody and everything going on. But you see, if we'll look at this thing differently and we'll realize we're all on the same team, we're all trying to get each other to heaven. I need you and you need me. That's the way that it works. You see, if we will understand that and we'll look at that and we'll start using that and pointing that more toward our goal, Maybe if you see somebody that sits close to you, maybe they're slacking. You know, maybe, maybe they've not been here like they should. Instead of expecting me or Don or one of the elders, why don't you do something about it? 
Why don't you, you know, get on your phone and call them? Why don't you get in your car and go visit them? How long does it take to pull out your phone and send a text? Ten seconds? Ten seconds. Hey, missed you. Missed you. Just checking on you. You know, okay, I've been sick. Or maybe they say, well, we're just not happy and we've been going here. Well, okay, then we need to take that maybe a little further. But you see, that's all of our parts. And, and Paul tells Timothy, if you want to be a good servant, that's what you've got to do. You've got to instruct other people. You've got to be there for them and help them to make their way to the goal. And I encourage all of you to do that. I promise you, this, this thing will work here at Willow Avenue so much better if we'll all just realize we're on the same team. We don't care who gets credit. We don't care whose name's in the bulletin. We don't care who does this or that. It doesn't matter. We're all on the same team, and we're just wanting to go to heaven, so help each other. Be a good servant of Jesus Christ. He says we need to be, and he tells Timothy, you need to be nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. If you're going to be nourished with something, the word means to constantly be trained and to receive nutrition from an exterior source. If you're nourished in something, think about that. You're constantly trained and you receive nutrition from an outside source, an exterior source. As a human being, you nourish your body with, with things that you put into your body. As a Christian, you nourish your spiritual soul by the things that you put into your soul. What are those things? He says the words of faith and the good doctrine. If you will continually put the word of God in your heart and, and you will focus on the doctrine, you will want to instruct the people around you. You will want to warn people about apostasy. You will want people to be faithful because ultimately you love them and the greatest form of love we can show somebody is to point them toward heaven. That's the greatest love we can show anybody. Tuesday night of this past week, I had the opportunity to go hear Cliff Goodwin. He was in a gospel meeting. Cliff does an excellent job. Some of you may watch him on Sunday mornings on TV. <laughs> Took James Watkins' place. And he talked, uh, the whole lesson was about homosexuality. And the point he says was, if we love people, we're not going to tell them it's okay to live in sin. You can apply that to any sin. He says all of these religious people that are accepting that and a host of other sins and patting them on the back and saying it's going to be okay and, and you do what you want, that is the furthest thing from the truth when it comes to the Bible. When we truly love someone, we want them to be here. When people are choosing not to be here and we simply say that's okay, what are we, what are we saying to them? We think we're saying we love you and it's okay, you do what you want. But that's the exact opposite. The exact polar opposite of Bible. Of Bible. Cliff made a point that God never sent Jesus Christ to save us in our sins. He sent Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. And there's a big difference between the two. And we need to understand that. As a church, we need to hold each other accountable. We need to, again... Be on guard for one another. We are our brother's keeper. That's the way God intended it for, for it to be, our brother's keeper. Keep that in mind. If we want to be a good servant, that's what we've got to do. Paul praises Timothy. He said, you have carefully followed the words of faith and the good doctrine. He said, you've done that. Your mother has taught you that. Your grandmother has taught you that. Paul, the apostle, he said, I've taught you that. You have followed. Wouldn't it be a, a wonderful compliment for the Apostle Paul to tell you or I to say, man, you've carefully followed those things. 
You've been a good servant. You've been a good student of the Word of God. You've done the things that I would ask you to do. Man, that would be an, an awesome compliment. And we should strive towards that. He says, verse 7, But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. That's not politically correct today, is it? An old wives' fable? If we said that today, we'd get in trouble, right? God said it, and it really doesn't matter what everybody thinks about it. But something that's profane is something that's unholy or, or it's without spiritual merit. There's a lot of things today that, that people want to bring into religion that ultimately have nothing to do with God or the church or anything else. It's simply something without merit. And he says, don't follow those things. They have no part. They have no part in the service of our Lord. He says, don't follow old wives' fables. Silly superstitions. If you want to look it up, that's what it means. Silly superstitions. Some of those things, do, do that happen with people today? You ever heard of the, the Shroud of Turin? You ever heard of that? It's supposed to be a burial cloth that, that they found that, that it was over the face of Jesus. And if you look at it just right and hold your eyes and your ears and your mouth just right, you'll see the, the outline of Jesus. That's a silly superstition. That's not in the Bible, is it? But man, people will hold something like that up. They will worship a statue that they'll say a tear falls from their eyes or blood drop falls. They do all of these things. It's just an old wives' fable. It's not true. And Paul tells Timothy, don't buy into that. Let me tell you something. If it's not in this book in front of you, it has no part in Christianity. No part. And we need to know that. And Paul is telling Timothy that. Don't buy into it. Man, people can make things sound good, can't they? They can make it sound good. You know, I, I remember, I read, it wasn't too long ago, somebody opened a potato chip bag, and it was a potato chip that looked like Jesus. So that, that bag had to be from the, that is silly superstitions. But man, you put that on the news, what happens? Why people, they start buying potato chips. Like I'm saying the potato chip company made it happen. They probably sold a billion bags. Uh, don't buy in to that garbage. He says it's not going to work. He says, instead, exercise yourself toward godliness, to spiritually train yourself, to discipline yourself. If you're going to exercise, if you're going to really focus on your body, and we're about to talk about that, you've got to have some self-discipline. If you're going to do that spiritually, you've got to have some spiritual discipline. He says, bodily exercise profits a little. Now, a lot of people like to use this, and they say, that's why I don't work out, right? He does say it's profitable. But here's the point, in all seriousness. Here's the point. If you exercise, does it profit you? Yeah, he says it profits you. You know, you're going to be stronger. You're going to look better. You're going to be healthier. You're going to live longer. But here's why it profits a little. If you're blessed, what's the Bible say? You're going to live 70, 80 years on average. What's the average lifespan? 78. You can work out. You can lift weights. You can do everything that you want to do. But can you beat Father Time? Can't do it, can you? It's going to be profitable for a little while, but ultimately it, you're still going to die. You're still going to get old. You're still going to get weak. Still, all of those things, no matter how much good you try to do physically to yourself, someday it's going to pass, and it's going to be over, and it really won't matter. When you're in a casket, it doesn't matter if you've got a six-pack or you, know, you look like you've got a 10-pound bag of flour around your waist. 
It doesn't matter. You're still going to be dead either way. So bodily exercise profits a little. But he says, godliness is profitable for all things. Having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. You know, he says godliness is profitable for all things. If you live a life and you give God his due, you're reverent to him, you worship him, you live your life in a way that's moral and pleasing before his sight, your life's going to be better. Think about it. Is your life going to be better? Think about it right here and now. No, just forget the eternal for a moment. Right here and now, as a Christian, is your life better? Yeah. You know, in one of the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long upon the earth. He's not saying if you'll listen to your mom and daddy that, you know, I guarantee you that you'll live to be 90 years old. That's not what he's saying. He says, but if you will allow the precepts, the things that they teach you to, to be put into practice in your life, your life is going to be better. More than likely, you're going to live a longer life because you're not going to do the things that are going to shorten your life. You're not going to be involved in the things that's going to make your life miserable. If you will live a life according to God, it's a great gain as a new testament christian i could go around the room and ask some of you that are a lot older and you could tell me how you've been blessed simply by being a christian all the people you've gotten to know all the things you've got to be involved in all the just the wonderful things that you know that god has done in your life godliness is great gain in this life but let's think about it in what he's trying to say Bodily exercise profits a little. Yes, it's going to help you for a short period of time, but in the end, we said when you're in the casket, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you worked out one day or never in your life or every day of your life. But if you have lived a godly life, when your body is lying in that casket, what happens? Still going on, right? Your body may not be, but that godliness is still profitable to you. And if we could only learn that and only to to realize that is the most important thing, that godliness is what's going to get us through this life and the life to come. He says, verse 9, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. He's already said that a few different times. In essence, he's saying this is a trustworthy thing. You can take it to the bank, if you will. Bodily exercise profits little. Godliness is profitable to everything. That's a trustworthy saying. You can bank on it. I want to try to finish through verse 11. He says, for to this end we both labor and suffer reproach. He says, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe these things, command and teach. To this end. To this end would be the eternal life that he just talked about. Godliness is profitable and all the way through eternity. It's profitable. To this end. Because we want eternal life, he says we labor. The word labor means to work to exhaustion. People say, yeah, but, but Christianity has nothing to do with works. Ephesians 2, verse 10, we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we should walk in them. That's what God intended for us to do. When he created us, a New Testament Christian, he expected us to walk in good works, to do the things that please him. And Paul here says it's something that we should labor. It's something that... It's not just we decide to do something for him once a month. 
you know, twice a year. This is something we are constantly striving to do good things for God and our fellow man. Doing things for our fellow man ultimately is giving glory to God. So he says, he says, to this end we labor. Because of eternal life we labor. Because of eternal life we suffer reproach or I believe the King James says we strive. It means to struggle to the point of pain. It's something that, that we endure everything that we may have to face because ultimately we want to go to heaven. Isn't that why we, we don't give in? I don't know about you. Isn't that why you don't quit? Anybody in here ever wanted to quit being a Christian? Throw your hands up and say, I'm done. Too hard. Things are difficult. Face too much. You can lie and say you hadn't, but everybody in here, probably at one point or another, you thought about that. It's too much. But Paul says it's to that end that you don't quit. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, Galatians 6 verse 9. Don't ever quit. Don't ever because it gets to the point of pain or hardships. It's all going to be worth it in the end. He says we do that because we trust in the living God. You know, during this time period, so many people trusted in a dead idol, a dumb idol, the Bible calls them. Can't speak, can't do anything. But Paul tells Timothy, you endure, you work, you labor, you, you endure pain, you strive, you suffer reproach, all of those things because you trust in a living God, because he's given you hope. Hope, that's what keeps us going, right? Hope. It's that earnest expectation. He's going to do what he says he's going to do, and that's the only reason I keep going. If I didn't truly believe with all of my heart that God was going to do what he said he would do, I wouldn't be up here this morning teaching this class. Wouldn't do it. I'd just probably be at home, I guess. I wouldn't want to mess with it. He says, God is the Savior of all men. He has offered salvation to all men, but not all men believe, especially to those who believe, those that believe, they accept it. He says, these things command and teach. Again, that's a command to all of us. Teach other people that it's going to be worth it in the end. I appreciate your attention.